This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome in on a Tuesday, everybody, to a rainy Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Soaking wet, uh, getting up here as it is pouring out right now. I guess we need some rain. We're getting some rain. And uh, I said today, the folks in Seattle must not work very hard because <laughs> rain makes me lazy. Yeah. Like, does it make you lazy? It makes uh, me lazy. A little bit. A little like, bit. I, the last two days, I was just kind of like, I don't know about dragging. I took, a, but I I took just, a, like, hour and a half nap today. It definitely makes me I lazy. I <laughs> took a nap yesterday. I drove home. Uh, Kaylee had a tournament, and they played in the rain, like, and it was like this. They mm-hmm. were playing. It was not lightning. So yeah. it was pouring out. And... Uh, at times, it was the whole time. But uh, then we drove home. It's usually like a two-hour and 15-minute drive home from there. I mean, it took like four hours to get home. Dang. And so I'm just sitting there watching the windshield wipers for four hours. <laughs> Playing and, some Eminem? I mean, I was like, yeah. There I was you go. like dead, yeah, yeah. tired at at, uh, at 4 o'clock yesterday. It's like, just weird. Uh, Seattle, maybe they get used to it. Well, here's the thing, though, <laughs> about Seattle. Have you been to Seattle a couple times or I've not? I've just been once, yeah. Okay, so I have some friends that live out there. And... Yes, it does rain, but not as much I think people say that it does because yeah. it's a way for the Seattle people to keep the transplants out, <laughs> from, from what I've been told. So if you get told that it rains all the time, you don't want to move there. That's that's the word on the street for Seattle, at least. That's, that's what I heard. Yeah. You, to, uh, you know, you want the tourism, yeah, uh, and but not too much of it. Exactly. It. That exactly. makes a lot of sense. Yep. And it might just sprinkle. It might be dreary more than it actually like pours yeah. in Seattle. Correct. Uh, kind of like afternoon thunderstorms around here. Well, Correct. We're getting some uh, rain now. If I think we were a little deprived of it the last couple of months, almost like drought-like situations mm-hmm. in some parts of the state. Not anymore. Yeah. Uh, plenty of it. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos on the Tuesday. And, well, the continuation of sports opening up is happening. There's talk tonight. The NHL will now announce that they're coming back. I didn't see details yet, unless I missed that. But I do want to ask you, though, you're a hockey guy, and I want I to am. ask you a little bit about the 2014 playoff kind of situation. Yep. NBA continues to be a, a topic. Dame Lillard throwing out something today that's interesting. Does he even want to play now? Mm-hmm. Uh, will he play now? Would would this be something? Is this like sitting out a bowl game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it'll yeah. be interesting to see, kind of protecting the body, protecting yourself uh, a little bit. Uh, and that's going to take place, it looks like, right in Orlando. We talked about that late last week as as we're wrapping up the week. Uh, so the NBA is getting back. MLB still very quiet. Haven't heard a lot of rumblings, although I think it was Passon that said this week's a huge week mm-hmm. in the whole baseball negotiation stuff. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, on that front. And then the NFL, again, not missing anything, and college football to a degree. College, by the way, continues to drop sports. I just retweeted another one where I think it's Appalachian State dropping men's tennis, men's soccer, I think across country or track and field, all on the men's side. And that's going to continue to happen. Fascinating article about UConn, uh, where they are in the hole uh, in a big deficit in terms of dollars. They, they could cut as much as a third of their sports. Uh, which it's not going to be men's and women's basketball, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. But uh, dire straits in some parts for college. But in terms of football, it looks like we're heading in a direction they'll play uh, and maybe even have fans, as some have said. And the NFL now, uh, Stephen Ross, Miami Dolphins owner, basically, there definitely will be a season, he said. There will definitely be a season. Jags facility open today. Uh, there are some reports that coaches and players will be back next week, as soon as next week, and that minicamps – might happen in the month of June. I didn't expect for that to happen. Me neither. And it begs the question for these minicamps, are they going to be voluntary? Are yeah. they going to be mandatory? Right? Because 
I mean, from the, the mandatory standpoint, you have to get the rookies on the field. You have to get them acclimated. The last thing you want to do is have that whole rookie group, your whole rookie class, especially the Jacksonville Jaguars who have, what, 12 rookies to come up for practice? So you, you want to get them acclimated to it. And at the same time, you also want to you know, kind of get their vets back on their feet a little bit. So I'm curious to see, will it be mandatory? Will it be voluntary? One would think... Even if it is voluntary, most of the guys will show up. But once again, if they have families, things like that, they're worried about it, maybe they won't. Yeah, it's uh, that's a good call. you know. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the Jaguars are opening up their building today, and I think this is common across the league. But let's just take the Jaguars because we know it. They opened it up, uh, and they have all these precautions, no surprise. Um, uh, on top of that, they have said it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. So you can continue to work from home. I, I would imagine everybody's workplace is different. I think you're going to get different uh, thoughts and results on it. Heck, I know on our place we just all took a survey of, of what we think, um, you know, what we should do and could do. And I think they'll probably take some of that feedback and, and make some uh, stipulations out of that uh, come June 1st. So it's it, it, everybody will handle it differently, but there's no doubt. Don't you get there's a sense that this whole wave of, okay, everybody's doing it. We're going to try it. You know, we're going to try it. And even in states like New York, have been hit hard. There's talk about them reopening a lot of things. Uh, California could be an outlier here, and that will be an interesting one for the NFL in terms of the mini camps, it sounds like, and also what other things take place. Can you do it in the state of California? I think they'll be one to watch. That's an interesting domino to fall for all the sports entities, at least. Yeah, it seems like California's kind of come around, though, a little bit, right? I mean, they kind of stood on this hill where it's saying, we're not going to open up until a couple months from now if even we get started this year. And they were kind of the ones that were spearheading everything. While all of a sudden, Florida comes around and says, check this out. We're going to open up everything, all right? Everyone's back. And now New York's following suit. And I think California's going to be like, well... We're not going to be that one state that says no sports, right? Because I think that's a bad optic, you know, for the state of California. So I think California does come around. Once again, it's all about getting on the same page. And I understand it's more than sports here, right? It's sports and politics. And we involve politics. There's different beliefs. There's different backgrounds and things like that. But I think overall, regarding the sports aspect of it, even regardless of politics, I see them getting on the same page, too. Yeah, I think it's really three prongs, in my opinion. It's sports. Uh, at least kind of like where we politics and it's money. <laughs> True. It's yeah. quite frankly money. And those somehow along the way kind of coexist, I think, mm-hmm. with all three. But money is a big part of it. You've got to ask yourself. And I think people are asking themselves, OK, how long can we do this without at least some kind of transaction of dollars take place in, in industry and, and retail and, and restaurants and all these things? So uh, they're trying it out. I have no idea if it's the right move or not. We'll find out. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about it. Uh, again, youth sports opened up over the weekend. Got that news on Friday. Kaylee's team played in the tournament uh, mm-hmm. on the other side of Orlando. And I think it went pretty well. I think what they did was pretty I'll, – I'll give you an idea of what they did uh, coming up. Um, but youth sports is saying, hey, let's go. Let's roll. we got to do something with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and at least in the state of Florida. Yeah. And they're taking a chance. And could we end up closing things down again because it wasn't the right move? I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, we have no idea where this thing is headed. But it does certainly look like people are giving it a try. And uh, I'm not even sure the backlash of people giving it a try. I thought it would be a little louder right mm-hmm. now. I think people have been kind of subdued for two months and like, all right, we'll try it. Yeah. Let's try it. Yeah. Not that risking your health is like, okay, let's everybody go out there and risk everyone else. Um, I, I think if you do the some of the precautionary things and, and if you do it the right way, maybe it will work. And I think you also say maybe it won't. 
Yeah, and it, it comes down to, see, listen, we have small businesses back here in Jacksonville opening back up. Everything seems to be progressing to getting back open the way it was, and I understand that. But the biggest question going forward now is, yeah, sports are probably going to come back. We're going to have the NFL. We're going to have the NHL. We're going to have the NBA. Now, we can probably guarantee with the NBA and uh, NHL fans won't be in attendance. But the big question going forward now with the NFL and college football is you've been hearing rumblings. Is it going to be like a, you know, kind of like a sanctioned, like maybe 30,000 people for an NFL game or a college football game? We'll see that. But that kind of, to me, is the big question now is, number one, take care of the athletes, obviously. But number two is how many fans are you going to allow through the door? How many fans are you going to get to experience a game in person? Because keep in mind. There's tailgating. There's all that, too, and a lot of that stuff goes into it. So how are you going to regulate that? How are you going to regulate the stadiums? Those are the big questions I want to see answered. Yeah, and it uh, might be another month and a half before yeah. we get any of that. Really, mm-hmm. on the other side of July, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some of those concrete answers. We can get wishful thinking, yeah. but I wonder if we'll get concrete answers on that stuff until the other side of July, the second half of this calendar year in 2020. Brent Martin, Austin Lane. We're going to talk a lot about Jags today. Jay Gruden met with the media and his thoughts on Gardner Minshew, where he sees him in this offense. What else about this offense? Really? mentioned every facet of the offense didn't go into great detail about the offensive line and that wasn't because he was avoiding it i think it was because he really wasn't asked specifically about the entirety of it did say some nice things about Jawan taylor so uh and and really echoed the the tight end thing uh again and i thought he had some fascinating remarks about the tight end in jacksonville uh it goes back to some conversations we've had when we talked to gruden a couple weeks ago Mm. he's got a chance man to be the best offensive coordinator that we've seen in in some time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all debatable. But I think at that time I brought up, I went through since I've been here in 08, you know, and, and Dirk Cutter had some nice years. Nathaniel Hackett had that nice year in 17. The Jaguars have only averaged over 20 points in a season three times since 2008. Let that register. In today's NFL, they have averaged over 20 points three times since 2008. It's almost like you, you can't say it enough. That's how mm-hmm. bad it's been. The expectations are low. Gruden doesn't have to do like these superhuman things to be near the top of the list yeah. of guys that have been able to get an offense to work. Yeah, and you know, and, and with Gruden here, listen, he's coming into a situation where he can definitely shine, right? And depending how the Jaguars do this year, depending how many wins that they can, you know, um, get, depending if Doug Marone can keep his job, whatever that's going to be. But if Gardner Minshew has a great year. If that offense has a great year, well, that's great for John Gruden because, number one, it's going to show, well, is this guy maybe head coaching potential for the Jaguars? Or if not, and he does have success just in one year, maybe head coach at a different spot in the NFL. So he's got a lot going for him. And I was pretty adamant about Gruden coming in for one reason, one reason alone, because the type of offense that he runs. Now, we sang John Filippo's offense last year a little bit, saying his praises because – I thought he had the knack of a, for the ability to get the ball spread out across the field, right? And maybe one could argue when Nick Foles went down, the playbook the playbook got shorter a little bit, and they didn't use Minshew to the best of his abilities. Possibly, not really sure, but let's be honest. The offense last year wasn't that good. You bring in Gruden now, a guy who, at least in Washington, was known for getting guys the ball of all types of positions, right? The slot guy, the outside guy, the tight end, the running back. Everyone gets a chance to touch the ball, and it's really tailored to the defense that they're going to go against. And when I see the Jaguars wide receiving core, when I see guys like Chris Conley, when I see DJ Chark, when I see D.D. Westbrook, and now we got Chenault as well, I mean, you got guys who can play 
a multiple variety of positions, right? Because they're all kind of built the same. Um, they can run a lot of the same kind of routes. And when you have that, you can spread the ball around. So I think that's what Zagruden's going to be doing a lot of. Obviously, with Tyler Eifert, too, if he can stay healthy, that's going to be a big weapon for them, the, the red zone as well. I thought he said some interesting things. A couple of things we'll point out through the course of the show. We'll spend a little time today on Gruden, Minshew, this offense, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. What will it look like under Jay Gruden? I'm not even sure he fully knows. Hasn't seen these guys out on the field yet. Here's the thing. Did he mention screen pass at all? I, I guess what? Oh, guess oh, what? Brent's teasing it. Guess what? Brent's teasing it. The ears perked up. Yeah. Okay. We got screen passes coming? We might have some more screen. Oh, Him and Chris Thompson man. are on the same page with us, man. Get get those parade floats ready. Screen passes are coming the to Jacksonville. Screen pass is coming back. At least the Jacksonville. <laughs> it's been everywhere else, but yeah. not here in Jacksonville. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Uh, Austin did something this weekend, said it was top three most difficult thing he's ever done. Yeah. So on the show today, I want to know, what's the most difficult thing you've ever done? Like a feat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about like... Uh, Watch the entire season of Tiger King. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. But but is there a feat that you're, like, proud of? Sure. You're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Exactly. And uh, I tell you what, when I started, I was like, oh, what's, that's a good topic today. It's good. Because Austin said it that way. I have a hard time coming up with them. Because you have so many, don't you? Nah, not enough. <laughs> i, I got to challenge myself you gotta get a little more. Live life a little more, man. I've got to challenge myself a little more. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll welcome your responses, 904-362-9901. That's kind of like the one of the questions we'll, we'll get back to during the day. But we come back, let's start football. This offense of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Will Jay Gruden get you excited about it? We'll hear from Jay Gruden, the new offensive coordinator, when we come back on ESPN 690. Well, it's better mess. I, it's my job to make it mess. You know, it's uh, take on the personality of our quarterback and him to understand what we're trying to get accomplished uh, on a play-to-play, game-to-game, week-to-week basis is going to be critical. So, see, last year when he got to play, uh, the games that he got to play, uh, now it's just a matter of him getting some general knowledge of our offense and uh, me figuring out what he likes, what he doesn't like, what uh, what makes him tick, and and go from there. But uh, I'm pretty easy to get along with. I know he is too. I think it'll be a great, great relationship. That is Jay Gruden, the offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Met with the local media today for the first time. Brent Morton here, Austin Lane, Coos on a Tuesday. Hope you had a good uh, Memorial Day weekend, everyone. And, uh, you know, Memorial Day obviously uh, honors uh, the fallen, and we appreciate uh, everything those who serve and have served have done. It also uh, always, as a kid, kind of reminded me of, like, the start of summer. For sure. Like, I was still in school. In uh, up north, like school will go till June nineteenth or whatever. Yeah, but it kind of like that's when the pools opened and everything up north. Mm-hmm. Now down here, it's like summer all the time, of so course. it's a little different. But yeah, it's yeah. kind of in my mental clock. Yeah, you're you guys from up north? Is that kind of like the start of it? Memorial Did it feel like it's it usually the first sunburn of the season for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah see, to us, it was more like I guess April. More for spring, you know, because like spring, it's like the snow starting to melt a little okay. bit. If you had a bicycle, you can take your bicycle finally that you got for Christmas because it's been snow on the ground, so you can't ride it. So like when that <laughs> snow starts, starts melting, you kind of have like your first day that's over 50 degrees. That's when we get excited. All right. We've actually, enough. our school, so the way it was set up, the first day over 60 degrees uh, after winter, we got out 45 minutes early and we got popsicles. Really? Yeah. Like that was like a thing. That was a thing. Yep. Every single year. The, huh. the, the first day over 60 degrees. 
Um, you know, after winter, you I got popsicles. See, like, a video of you guys like watching the thermostat. Oh, just yeah. it's like, <laughs> you better believe it, man. That's awesome. That. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That makes me a little jealous of that. Yeah. Like, I think I wish we did something like and, that. But, like, we're in high school. We're still pop. And trust me, you think oh, a popsicle in high school really? No, like we were. It was a thing. I mean, there, there was riots in the hallways. We were running out of class. It's like no more school. Let's go popsicle day. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, this certainly don't look like summer out there right now for no us uh, here right in Jacksonville. Now, yeah. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, hopefully uh, you had a good weekend and, and uh, remembered those, uh, again, who have fallen. And, and Memorial Day should be a special holiday for so many, especially in this town of uh, northeast Florida and Jacksonville and beyond. All right, Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos, talk some football. Hmm. Jay Gruden, offensive coordinator. I'm excited about this hire of Jay Gruden. But as you know, and I brought this up, and it was actually the first question I asked Gruden about the relationship thing. And – I, I don't know if we totally nailed it and hit it on the head. It's probably poor questioning on my part. But I even said to Jay, I was like, I don't know you. I just kind of assume uh, kind of from the outside, maybe it's the Gruden name. But, yeah, it's a guy that's kind of feels a little more hot shot than your old glasses and 65-year-old <laughs> yeah, yeah. offensive coordinator. You know, Again, sure. that might just be a bad read by me. But – I feel like that relationship between him and Minshew can be something. I'm not saying you need to have that relationship, but I would imagine like in anything, if you do have this nice relationship, if you kind of, you know, yin and yang with a, with a person, mm-hmm. then that really will help you. Listen, the bottom line is Blake Bortles' best time as a football player in the NFL, him with Nathaniel Hackett, and those two were pretty close. Like they were kind of, I'm not saying buddy-buddy, but from a coach-player perspective, like there was a lot of love there. You mm-hmm. could tell. I mean, they talked about it. So... If they can establish this with Minshew, he's a believer in Minshew. It's not like he got stuck with Minshew. He didn't have to take this job. He knew what their philosophy was going to be. So he's got to be somewhat of a believer in Minshew, and we'll get to that part a little bit more later on. I really just love this relationship, and I hope I'm not putting too much into it mm-hmm. because there's so much more than that for them to be successful. I just think it's a nice bonus. Well, And what I love, too, is that they have the one, probably the most important thing in common. They both have to win this season. Yeah. Obviously, Gruden has to win because if the team does well, then he can maintain a job. Now, if the team struggles and Rome gets fired, who's to say, you know, shot kind of Tony kind of be like, all right, well, let's let's retain uh, Gruden in some kind of capacity. Usually, if you bring in a new head coach, that head coach brings in his guys, and the guys don't get retained. So, obviously, Gruden has to win a lot this year to help build his resume. Gardner Minshew has to win or at least have success on the field because this is his addition. This is 2020. This is to see if Gardner Minshew is the guy going forward now, for maybe for the next decade or so. So with that being said, you have an offensive coordinator calling the plays, calling the plays to a guy who's required to win. So I think them having the, the you know the winning thing in common um, is going to be crucial for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Yeah, and and so. You know, he talked about that a little. He said, oh, it's my job's to mesh with anybody. But I, I think once these guys get on the field, I think you'll see it. will be an interesting part to watch. Absolutely. You know, it's, like, it's like I say all the time, like uh, we have twins, right? I said, my favorite part of having the twins is watching their relationship kind of grow. Mm-hmm. I get a front row seat to it. I won't get that kind of seat with Minshew and, and Gruden. But I think that's interesting to watch, mm-hmm. a player to coach and, and vice versa. Uh, because I think that can mean something. There might be a trust factor there as well. There's already a believability how much confidence do you have in Gruden? The resume says what it says back in the Cincinnati days. Yeah. It obviously didn't work out in Washington, but it's been hard for anything to wash out, work out in Washington. Uh, you know, with all due respect to the Redskins, it just it's been tough. And, and at times he probably, you know, overachieved given what they were going through, whether it was injuries, quarterback play, uh, front office stuff. He said today, and I thought this was interesting, 
I get to just focus on the offensive side of the ball again. Mm-hmm. And that must be nice. You know, that's something off the plate. I don't have to worry about special teams. I don't have to worry about setting up meetings. I don't have to worry about defense. I don't have to worry about the front office. I got to worry about Doug Marone and what he wants. Mm-hmm. And I worry about my guys. That's got to be so refreshing. Well, it has to mean everything, Brent, because we're talking about, you know, uh, a former offensive corner, defensive corner being a head coach. I mean, there's so much more that goes around with that. Now, you mentioned a little bit, but you have to try to create the culture of a locker room. I mean, not only are you calling the plays, but you're also kind of like the principal of the school. So it's a lot to fall on your plate. So from his perspective, it's got to be refreshing just to hear, you know what? All I got to do is worry about the offense. I don't care about the culture in the locker room. Obviously, he has to help it out, but he doesn't care about, you know, building it. He doesn't care about how training camps can go. All he needs to worry about is the offense, and Doug Marone obviously takes care um, of the rest. And some coaches are gifted um, in creating culture. Some coaches are, are gifted in you know how to handle practice, how to handle the players, how to handle the training staff, how to handle the front office. Some coaches are gifted like that, okay? And some coaches, they struggle a little bit. But, you know, long story short, Gruden has, does that to worry about. Just the offense. Just the offense for him. What would you want? Listen, we know we think Gruden throws it around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But what if you're in those Zoom meetings, what do you think he's trying to say to the players, the other members of the coaching staff, Ben mm-hmm. McAdoo as well, and be like, hey, that's what we want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking of this today because we say that a lot, right? We talk about the identity, and there hasn't been – there wasn't an identity last year at all. Yeah. And the Jaguars had a firm identity in 17. They committed to it. They said, we're going to run the football. We're going to play power football. We're going to play good defense. Uh, and that was it. And, and they did it. And they did a pretty good job of it. How important is it to have that identity and say, we want to be this, and we're going to try to be this? Or sometimes do you just constantly chase being that, and you're coming up empty, and then you're like, oh, crap. The whole thing just went yeah. to, to whatever. Mm-hmm. So – Sorry, because I almost had to use the tripod. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> uh, I've been swearing a lot this weekend. But, uh, <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> so, I'm having a heck of a time right now. <laughs> uh, so on, t- on top of that, I, I almost say, are you – can you in a good way not have like this one identity yeah. where people know what you're doing all the time? Mm-hmm. And so you can be diverse and multiple. I love that word when you talk about offenses. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, or is that a dangerous thing to be? So here's the thing, right? Gruden comes into his first year here in Jacksonville. Brand new offense, a very young quarterback. I think the goal right now of Gruden is to obviously have the identity, right? And if you look at his time in Cincinnati, his time in Washington, I mean, one would probably argue it's going to be a pass-first kind of team. You know, it's going to be a pass-first, maybe set up the play action with Leonard Fournette, but it's going to be a lot more, I think, of first down you're going to see passes as opposed to Leonard Fournette running for three or four yards. Um, So I think that they have their identity in mind. But it's so important, Brent, whether it's on offense or defense, it's good to have the goal and it's good to have the vision. But you as a corner have to realize, like, listen, if we're not built like that, then we have to call an audible. No pun intended. If we're not built like what I want us to be like, then we have to adjust and go from there. I think a lot of coaches sometimes we talk about on the show, they get stuck in their ways. Yeah. And, and they try to fit you know, that square peg in the circular hole, and it doesn't work. So especially being the first year now for Gruden, uh, a brand new offense, like I said, a young quarterback, he has to remember that, okay, it's good that you have the vision and the goals. But keep in mind, if things don't go gravy right away, don't be afraid to change it up and kind of see who you are first. Because it's hard. Because you're, you're at practice right now. You're on yeah. Zoom meetings. And, yeah, you can say good things about the players that you've seen on film. 
But until you actually coach them, until you actually see them in person, it's hard to really gauge a game plan. It's hard to really gauge that true identity. So I think once the Jaguars enter a training camp, he'll have a better idea, but it's good to have the goal. He referenced that today, too. He said, listen, I think we need some time out on that field so I can figure out what these guys can do out on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we can talk about them. You can see the smarts, the IQ, the you know, all that is fine. But you have to see stuff out on the field before we really can feel anything uh, about what's going on. So that makes a, a lot of sense. How about Jay Gruden, the offense? coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are you excited about Gruden, though? Uh, because he took his job knowing like Minshew was really going to be the guy. I firmly believe that when he got here, they were like, hey, man, we're riding with him. Unless something crazy pops up, you know, unless Tua falls to nine or something yeah. like that. And, and I don't know if that was said. I, but I firmly believe since December 20th, mm-hmm. the mission of this franchise said we're riding with Gardner Minshew. Well, and that's how it works, Brent. If you're trying to go after an offensive coordinator, the first thing you have to know is the quarterback situation. Yeah. You know, so I think when they were seeing the interview, I'm sure Gruen brought up, hey, Gardner Minshew's going to be the guy. Are we going to keep Foles? What's the plan? And obviously, that's probably said Gardner Minshew's going to be the guy going forward. So how many guys would have come in here and said, hey, I really want that job? Uh, and now, keep in mind, offense coordinator job, there's only 32 of them. Yeah. So some guys are going to come in and, be, and, and, and say, I'll work with it, whatever. I'll say, yes, yes, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Sure. But how many... Doesn't it? Uh, isn't it a good thing that Gruden would have been a guy you think would almost have his pick of where he wanted to go? Pretty respected offensively, I think. Uh, sure, there are some fits and, and other things, but he didn't really. He didn't know Marone well. Uh, it's not like they got this deep relationship. Yeah. You know, he came here because he believes in Minshew. How many other offensive coordinators would have come in here? I can tell you this: not a lot of analysts would have come in here and said, "I believe in Minshew." I can tell by all the odds out there. Oh, so it's other analysts, not coaches, though, right? I know. <laughs> Um, listen, but you get my point. No, I mean, We've been the last couple of months saying you know, the national folks don't believe in Minshew like some people correct. around here do. Yeah. And not like the Jags believe in Minshew, yeah. or at least giving him this chance. Mm. But Gruden from the outside coming in said, hey, I can work with this guy. I like what we got yeah. here. So I guess to answer your question, how many offensive coordinators out there that were on the market would have relished the opportunity to come to Jacksonville um, and teach Gardner Minshew? And I think the answer is unequivocally a lot, to tell you the truth. Because, listen... Whether it's defensive coordinator, head coach, assistant coach, personnel coach, whatever it is, uh, ego is involved. Okay, and yeah. I think any offensive coordinator true. thinks that you know what my offense can, no matter what it is, I can tailor it so we can have success. I'm that good of an offensive coordinator. When you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, you see a couple things. You see the youngest roster right now in the NFL, number one, and number two, you see Gardner Minshew going to his second year, who arguably had the best rookie numbers of any quarterback. Those are a couple things where if you're an offensive coordinator, you can come in and mold it to what you want, right? It's one thing if you're entering a team that has like a 10-year vet. You know, he's kind of already set in his ways. But if you have something like a Gardner Minshew who can be tailored, who can, who can be molded to try to fit your greatness, well, then it's going to be a good thing. He also brought up something that I found interesting. Another point was Chris Thompson. He talked about the smarts. He's like, uh, basically, he could, he could help coach this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now from his offense, but he talked about how smart he is of a player. And it's interesting. I have mentioned a couple of times that this, uh, I, I gotta be so careful because I don't want to say people are dumb, mm-hmm. but I just think IQ can get overlooked, right? We talk about with the New England Patriots. This is the greatest example of it. The Patriots, we've, we've said it before. If you're looking at a player from an athletic standpoint and he's ranks one to 10, yeah. the, the Patriots would be willing over the years mm-hmm. to take a guy who was an eight mm-hmm. rather than a guy who was a nine on the athletic scale if his IQ seemed to be a 10 versus the other guy being a six. So it's funny you bring this up. That's something I never really shared before. 
But, you know, when you, when you play college football, uh, your junior and senior year, and if you're expected to maybe, you know, go to the draft, uh, go to the NFL, um, one of the things that the coaches do when they come in is obviously they put you on the board. You know, right? So you, you go to practice in college, you come off the field, and all of a sudden you go on the board. And they say, all right, can you drop your assignment in this play? Can you drop your assignment in this play? The New England Patriots are the only team when I met with them at the Combine and also met with them during my college career where they would come in, they would ask me, all right, drop your play. All right, draw it up. What does a middle linebacker do on this play? What? Middle linebacker. Dude, I'm a defensive end. What does it matter? Draw the middle linebacker. Okay. Draw the safety. They're the only ones that want to know, like, the grand scheme of things. Like, why do you do things? Yeah, it's, it's important to know your job, but what are the other jobs around you? The New England Patriots were the only team to ever ask me that kind of stuff. Interesting. So it's interesting that you brought that up. Well, and, and again, I, I think the Jags could dirt, certainly get an improvement in that category. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the 17th season, I remember asking Tayshawn Gibson. He said, listen, we're super athletic, but we've got some smart guys over here, too, that mm-hmm. know the game. Yeah. Well, I think that went down a little bit, you know, how much they knew a game, whether it was because of experience or just not as sharp as some of those other guys in 18 and 19. Did that lead to some of the discipline issues? Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I would just say if you look at what the Jaguars are doing, they get a guy with Joe Schobert, you would say, that guy, sharp, IQ Absolutely. guy, is going to be in the right spot, fundamentally sound, and you might give up a little bit now yeah. from a, an elite kind of player at, at the linebacker spot, although he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Chris Thompson, as Gruden mentions that, I said, oh, okay, he's smart. And I got another high IQ guy on the offensive side of things. Yeah. Gardner's already that way. Mm-hmm. And I see what they're doing here a little bit. I feel like they're infusing more of that. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great. Yeah. But I just think it's an interesting thing to note when I hear that. Uh, they are getting a lot more like-minded players in terms of not only the character that everybody raved about and mm-hmm. talked about and said, oh, God, they're getting a bunch of Boy Scouts. Yeah. No, I think they're getting a lot of smart football players. And IQ can make up for a step because of instinct. Uh, and it also will prevent you from making more mistakes that, quite frankly, you shouldn't be making at this level. Listen, you can go on on and on about you know football players that are in the Hall of Fame right now that maybe weren't the most athletic but had the, the IQ to make it work, whether on offense or defense. And the importance of IQ um, – it's one of the biggest things that you need on a team, Brent, okay? Because when we talk about uh, the team dynamic, a team setup, well, when you're a rookie, when you're a second-year guy, usually the way it works is you have your blinders on. You're not really worried about the other guy's job. All you're worried about is doing your job to the best of your abilities, right? Uh, you know, say you call a 4-3 over front. Okay, I'm the defensive end. I have a six technique. If he goes in motion, wide five. Got it. That's all you need to know. I don't care what Puzz was doing. I don't care what the defensive tackle was doing. I know my job. But then as you progress in your career, then it starts brightening up, you know, opening up a little bit, right? And all of a sudden those blinders, they get a little wider. Now you can see the big picture of this is why I'm doing this. This is why the middle linebacker goes there and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The beauty of having the high, the high IQ guys though is when you have those guys that know where they're supposed to be, when you have those guys who know where players, um, you know, around them are supposed to be, well, it's contagious. Cause now all of a sudden if you're a first year guy, second year guy, then you ask the questions, right? Uh, a position coach, a coordinator, they can only teach you so much. And if you're a player and you have a question, it's more common to go to your teammate or a captain than it is to a coach, right? Because there's players are more relatable with each other. So I think having a guy like Schobert, having a guy like Chris Thompson who can kind of, you know, school the younger guys a little bit, well, those blinders I talked about when you're first and second year, they open up that much bigger, and that hence everyone gets back on the same page. Think about what would Puzz do, right? That was the mm-hmm. question what people were saying as he was retiring, and the reason being exactly what you just said. Take a Miles Jack, who follows him all around like, yeah. a, like a little puppy because he wants to learn the right way to do things. Puzz mm-hmm. did things the right way. 
Take a look at Calais Campbell. You would ask those kind of questions to Calais Campbell. Who are you asking those questions to for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Schobert has to become that guy. Miles Jack, now four or five years into his career, has to become that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you get that from Jan? Can Josh Allen already have it because he's an high IQ guy? Maybe, mm-hmm. even though he's young. doesn't matter your age sometimes. It matters what you know about the game, your experiences, and what you're willing to share and communicate and educate uh, for that matter. Again, that that's not the only recipe for, wow, this team's going to be really good. I just think it's a little bit different. If you're looking for what's different, and I continue to give you the stats of an offense that really has struggled for the last decade or so here in Jacksonville, I'm looking for different. And right now I find a team that has a little bit of personality with Mitchu and I think even Gruden as their OC. They're willing to throw the football around maybe even first than, than just on third down and seven, which is predictable. And they have some IQ guys, which might make it more complex, both offensively and defensively. Uh, and, and for that matter, the coaches can kind of open up the playbook a little bit more mm. for some of those guys. That's a very basic and broad outside looking in view. Mm. But again, we're trying to find something different because what we've known has not worked mm-hmm. here in Jacksonville on a consistent basis in that respect. And I think the biggest thing I'm going to take away, especially from the offensive side of the ball right now, Brent, is a term – um, an adjective that we haven't really used a lot, it seems like, in Jacksonville in terms of offense is the term fun. Like, when you describe the Jacksonville offense, you never really describe it as fun. Even it's, at 17, it's fun it wasn't really fun. Yeah, it's, it's not fun, fun for to three watch. weeks in December when yeah. they were throwing it. Right, but I mean, it wasn't fun. It, it's fun like vanilla ice cream. Sure, it's not bad, but I mean, maybe you want some sprinkles in there sometimes. Absolutely. Maybe you want some strawberry or some chocolate swirl. Give or me a something, fresh man. vanilla. Yeah, okay, I see you, Brent. Whatever you got, man, whatever you got. But my point is, I think with Gruden coming in now, and like, like I said, his ability to spread the ball around and kind of have some exotic looks, that's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's fun when you have an offense where it's like, well, who's going to shine today? We have no idea. Last year, I was just, all right, DJ Chark, here we go again. Hopefully you can get, you know, 10 catches for 200 yards. So I think this year we're going to see a lot more fun, a lot more, um, like I said, motions, a lot more different interesting things, and maybe a couple screen passes thrown in there too, just for good measure. My mint chocolate chip ice cream, if you will. So I think right now the, the key, um, you know, I guess the overall term of this offense should be it's going to be fun this year. That would be good. Yeah. Uh, fun usually means it's pretty decent too. Because exactly. you're not going to have a fun offense if it stinks. Correct. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'll talk a lot more about the offense. I want to talk a little bit more about Minshew and the relationship with Gruden and finish this topic with what Gruden said today when uh, was asked about, you know, coming into this situation with Minshew, knowing he's the guy, kind of what he knew about him already and, and what else he had to learn about him. Oh, for sure. You know, I liked him coming out of college. You know, he played for a bunch of different colleges for, I think, um, was very successful. Um, and then, you know, he got drafted in the later rounds and came out and, and, and Playing in the National Football League is, is about taking advantage of your opportunities, and, and Gardner did that. He's a, a shining ver- a reason why uh, once that opportunity presents itself, uh, you take advantage of it, and he did that. And that's, he's put himself in a great position to uh, take the Jacksonville Jaguars um, and, and lead them into the future here. And he's shown a skill set where he can sit in the pocket, uh, step up, make things happen outside the pocket. He's accurate. He's tough. Uh, and obviously he's a great leader. So um, he's got the intangibles. You want at the quarterback now. It's just got to get to know the team, got to get to know the offense a little bit before we all gel together. Uh, there's uh, Jay Gruden today talking about Gardner Minshew, and I think he mentioned some injury. We know what he could do outside the pocket. We spent a lot of time on that in the last week or so. Uh, but inside the pocket, he's comfortable with what he was able to do. He said accurate, said a leader, and tough. You know, likes all those things about him, some interesting qualities, qualities why he can buy in. I also think about this when he's talking like that. You know, 
Minshew now is is becoming like this underdog story, right? No chip on his shoulder, coming out of Brandon, Mississippi. I did the story last year, went to his hometown, and he didn't even get looks from the big three in Mississippi, <laughs> man. He, and they, they still wear that in Brandon. I mean, they, they really do. I mean, they, there's an edge mm-hmm. to that right there. Uh, think about Jay Gruden. Always been in the shadow of John Gruden. Mm-hmm. Even from a playing career, was pretty good, but not great. So always had to outperform and press every time out there. Didn't have many believers, whether it was the Arena League or or, or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of an interesting personality match from that standpoint. I didn't really think about it like that. Mm-hmm. But they, I'll sit here and tell you, they have similar stories. But they probably have something in common in that a little common thread right there of of kind of being overlooked. Yeah. Right? I mean, nobody brings up Jay Gruden. You say Gruden, you go John. Shoot, you bring up Frank Caliendo before you bring up Jay Gruden. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. And and listen, I mean, if you look at Jay Gruden's track record, too, let's be honest here. You know, as an offensive coordinator or head coach, I mean, as far as the wins and losses are concerned, yeah, probably, you know, a little underachieved. But to be fair, I want to ask this question right now, Brent. If you were to take him, I don't know, maybe some of the teams back in, again, 15, 16, 17, and you look at that roster that he had. I mean, would you rather have that roster or the Jacksonville Jaguars on offense, obviously, because, you know, the offense is what I'm yeah. talking about here. I mean, I think it could be he, a horse piece. You have, you have some names? Uh, I mean, I can find them real quick. Well, if let's get them. We'll yeah, get them yeah. in a minute. Okay. Uh, but I, I want to do – I want to talk about something else with Gruden, too, and so we'll do it as part of this okay, because cool. this will be a good experiment. I'm going to ask the question probably at 4 o'clock. going to wait uh, for another segment or so, but I'll ask this question. So think about it. Are tight ends on your roster more important than receivers in this day and age of the NFL? Sounds outlandish is what you're telling me. And I probably mean it from more of a depth standpoint. So if you think about receivers and you're like, hey, we carry six receivers. I like this guy. We carry five receivers. Sure. Well, do people put enough in to carry enough and plan for disaster enough around the tight end position the way that position has evolved now in the NFL? And Jay Gruden said something interesting that, again, kind of goes back to the Jags have not had enough bodies in that tight end room. Do they have enough this year just in case there's injury or will it all fall apart if the Jags can't stay healthy? We'll get to that part of it and your question about the roster from Washington to here uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up next, I want to update you on where we are in sports, including the NHL, some college football news, some reopening and getting back on campus. We'll have the latest on sports return from the coronavirus coming up next on ESPN 690. What's going to happen if there's a player who is relatively generally healthy and he wants to sit out because of fear, concern over the coronavirus? How is that player handled? That is not done yet. And that's something that's going to be discussed this week, Mike, because uh, it's an issue. And and if that player wants to sit out, uh, ML, the MLBPA is going to want him to get paid. And, and they're not going to sit there and say, uh, we're going to just straight up accept the fact that if a player sits out and he doesn't have what the league deems a good reason that he doesn't get paid for it. So that's something that that is definitely going to be one of the big issues this week. That's a catch right there. Jeff Passan uh, covers the MLB for ESPN and, and says it's a huge week for Major League Baseball in terms of getting going again. And part of it, those kind of discussions, the discussions run deep because of the players union and the powerful players union that is the MLB uh, PA. It's a good point, though. Wouldn't it feel like a little bit, depending your views, could it feel a little bit like crossing a picket line in a sense, <laughs> you know? 
Like, are you willing to do that? And if you're not willing to do it, are you frowned upon? Are you looked down upon? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later with Dame Lillard as well. Like, if you don't want to play, is that cowardly? Is, is it, no, That's not going to be received well. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. But it, it just won't. Uh, you know, whether it's right or wrong, it won't. There are a lot of things that aren't received well that's not right. But mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be received very well. And mm-hmm. how, do that, how does that get treated, I think, is an interesting question across the board if you don't want to do it. Like, right, again, I said it. Jags are open in terms of their facility to some staff, and it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. What about players? When the players and coaches are allowed back in, if there's an older coach who doesn't want to go back in, does he have to? Yeah. Is that is that an X mark against somebody quietly, a black mark against that person? Uh, will it be that way in our workplaces as well if, if people are really, in, in principle, not mm-hmm. comfortable uh, with coming back to the workplace, which you, you should be able to respect? Yeah. You bring up some pretty good points here. Because let's take NFL, the NFL, for example. Okay, When you take an NFL locker room, for instance, like Yannick Ngakwe, when Yannick Ngakwe held out, the players were like, oh, I can't believe he's not here. You know, I can't believe he's not helping us win a championship. Like, he's doing his own thing. He's holding out for more money. Well, the players understand that, Brent, because at the end of the day, yes, winning games is important, but seeing a player get compensated for what they believe is right is probably the most important thing, even more important than maybe winning, we would say. So I can see that, and I can see that in the NBA. I can see that in Major League Baseball as well. But now it comes down to the question of how do you feel about the landscape of COVID-19? It's not really necessarily a business decision. It's more of what, I guess, facts, what knowledge, what do you believe in, what you read or whatever via some news source or on the Internet. Like, how do you tailor that to what you think is going on right now? Because every player is going to be different. So when you do have a player sit out like this, I believe the whole locker room dynamic would be like, well, he doesn't want to help us win, right? Because it's not really a business decision. It's more of a health decision, which would probably say it's more important but still i mean if other players are there you know risking their lives let's say that if you're in major league baseball one would think well hey where's my teammate where's my partner he's supposed to be here with me so it adds an interesting dynamic and i'm curious to see how it works out because in my opinion you can't fault some guy for not showing up for baseball or nfl or whatever if this is going on you know like if he's scared then so be it but I can also see the standpoint of his teammates being like, hey, man, we're here risking our lives, supposedly, so where are you at? Yeah, well, here's the thing. In sports, the business side of it is respected. Mm-hmm. If you've got to miss time, to your point, Yannick mm-hmm. Ngakwe, name the player. We respect that, man. Get rid of it. Get, yeah. Take care. Heck, even to a point, Jalen Ramsey's charade, which we'll yeah. talk about Jalen in a little bit, but Jalen's charade was... I don't know if it was respected how he handled it deep down to some, but by others it was fine. It was part of the business. Correct. Playing hurt is also part of the business. And this might fall in that category. Hmm. If you have a sore whatever and you're not playing, especially in football, but even in baseball, man, everybody battles through injuries. That's yeah. like a cliche in sports. I don't, I don't know, Brent, There's a lot of hamstring tightness out there sometimes for baseball players. I know. But I'm just every, saying. But I'm just every, saying. Nobody actually probably battles through the bruises and soreness of a base, Major League Baseball player. They play 162 games. It's a long season. You know? It is a long season. I mean, season. so, uh, again, I'm not talking about broken bones and yeah, they're yeah. taking violent hits. Yeah. But seriously, no, I mean, we all wake up every day and sometimes don't feel great. Well, imagine yeah. being 36 years old, taking a plane Traveling flight. all the way around the country. Know, landing at four in the morning, yeah. playing a 1 o'clock game, yeah. you don't feel great. I mean, again, right. I'm not calling it the tough guy sport, mm-hmm. but you get what I'm saying. Well, you, people play through that stuff. I mean, Cal Ripken made a name for himself for playing through that stuff. Yep. And so this could fall in that category. What do you mean you're not playing? You're afraid you're going to get sick? Yeah. Well, I mean, we could get the flu. 
You know, yeah. you could have a cold. I played through the cold, uh, having a cold, allergies, whatever it might be. You know, again, I'm not dismissing COVID-19 in that category, mm-hmm. but some people might. That's the point of the story. Yeah. And so where will the respect lie amongst the teammates if you are not doing that? Uh, there, I would say, almost is more respect from a business de- decision standpoint. That that person would have more respect saying, I'm not comfortable with the terms we agreed with. I think mm. we should be getting paid more than we're getting paid. Mm. And they would be more respected for not playing than maybe sitting out for COVID-19 uh, worry. You talk about the teammates and their reactions. What do you see the fans doing if this happens? What do you see, you know, fans of NFL teams, all of a sudden maybe one of your big players is sitting out? Uh, no, they- you can't win it. Uh, fans will hate you. Really? Oh, yeah. Fans <laughs> won't have respect for that. No, yeah. no. Interesting. I mean, there will be some, man. Yeah. But no, for fans fans want to win the fantasy well, football league. No, I, fans yeah. want to win the, their their game. They want yeah. no way, mm. no way. Okay. It, it will not be. You're asking me if name your guy. Uh, Tampa Bay in okay. Tampa right now. Mike Evans. Mike w- Evans. Receiver. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Nice. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. I don't know why we're both thinking of you. <laughs> yeah. but let's go ahead and knock on some wood for Mike Evans real quick. Well, Mike, I don't want to see a highlight tomorrow of him getting Mike, sick. Mike Evans, well within his rights, says, "Hey, I'm not comfortable doing this." Yeah. You think fans are going to be like, we just got Tom freaking Brady? And, you don't, yeah. and you're not going to come over here and practice in training camp and be ready for a season where, where we got all in yeah. on this season? And you're a big part of it? Yeah. No way, man. Fans, they don't have what, time for that. Let me ask you this then. What percentage of NFL players are going to use this to try to get out of training camp and then show up for the regular season, they right? Could. Because, I mean, there, there's always, you know, things like, oh, I got something going, I got family issues, whatever it is. And sometimes players don't show up on time. How many players use this as an excuse not to show up on time? They could, but you guys are also creatures of habit. And you've already had your habitual training thrown off. Mm-hmm. I think there are more players even that would be, I, I would say 100% of players, well, maybe it's 99% would say, I need to get back there, man. I need to get catch up. Like, I feel behind more so than, hey, let's skip training camp. Yeah. I think. Now, I might be wrong. Have you practiced with the Heat, though, in Jacksonville, (laughs) you know, in in early August? It's pretty rough. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's messing. It'll be interesting to see, though. But it's a good point. Yeah. It is a good point. Uh, NHL looking to get back. NBA looking to get back. MLB a big week. NFL trending in the right direction. They're opening up in Oklahoma. Uh, for football to be voluntary to go on back on campus, what would you do if you I was your kid? Are you comfortable sending your kid on campus after July 1st? I think there'll be some mixed emotions about that, too. When we come back, the Jags offense, the tight end position or the receiver position, which one's more important? Next on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.